Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Dr. Stephen Newmark holds a doctorate degree in psychology and has been a practicing transpersonal psychologist for over 30 years. He's also the author of a book about Eastern wisdom entitled, Before Becoming This. Deepak Chopra said about this book, Before Becoming This is an insightful and joyful exploration of enlightenment and spiritual practice. Dr. Newmark has been a teacher of Eastern spirituality for the last 30 years, has traveled extensively in India, and has studied intensely with some of the great masters of our time, He is the director and producer of a documentary about Eastern spirituality entitled American Yogi that premieres in theaters this September 2017. And Carol, I understand that Steve is fiscally sponsored by From the Heart Productions. Yes, he is. He's been a a sponsor with us for years, and we really appreciate Steve and his many talents. Yes. Now, my hope is... And Carol, I have to tell you... I think, yes, I, I think that um, there may be a little trouble for him getting into the show right now uh, because I still don't see him um, on the board. So it's possible that he uh, is having a little trouble getting into the show. Um, if you like, we can uh, discuss a little bit about his work, and if he's still able to join us, we'll go ahead and bring him on. If not, uh, there may be another show that we can go ahead and play for our listeners and then reschedule, Steve, for another time. Absolutely, Claire. Well, this man has a phenomenal story. Uh, he he uh, became of age, let's say, during the hippie revolution in the 60s when he really loved the freedom and he went to India and he experienced a lot of things. But one of the most interesting things was that he found that there was a leaf that had been placed in a like library, uh, a place that housed leaves with information for people in the future. And so he went there to find out who wrote it and what they said about him. Uh, I think it was over a thousand years ago. We'll have to get that straight from Steve. But basically... Someone foretold his coming, knew the name of his mother and father, and where he would be born, and what his name would be. And that's what's so interesting about this American Yogi story. That's why he made the film. He had to document his own life, what happened to him, and the information that he found out, how it all turned out in his life. Because he was is a practicing practicing. Um, psychologist and so to go from psychology into the wilds of uh, India and spiritualism and studying with the guru is a, a big shift for him but it paid off he had a wonderful event happen to him 
Well, I think that uh, this is going to be a very, very fascinating interview. And I really look forward to <laughs> us being able to have a conversation with him about it. But it looks as though he still has not been able to join us. He might be having some technical difficulties. Uh, Carol, it's, it's entirely up to you. Yes, let's replay that very good show where we learned about film festivals, what to do and what not to oh, do. Yeah. Right. Joe Jensen, Marketing Docs with a Cause. So I'll go ahead and, and launch that interview, and we will just reschedule Stephen for another time. Thanks, okay, Carol. Okay, All right, take care. Bye. Hi, and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Joe Jensen is the founder and CEO of the film marketing company, Causumentary. Joe brings 10 years of digital marketing and grassroots experience to achieve results as the impact producer for documentary films. A few of the successful documentary campaigns that Joe has worked with are Tug, including Honor Flight, Guinness World Record Holder, Blood Brother, a Sundance winner, Slingshot, a Sundance selection, and Poverty, Inc., Templeton Freedom Award winner. Currently, she's working with I Voted by Jason Smith and Tackling Giants. And Carol, I understand the film I Voted won the Roy Dean Film Grant and chose to campaign with Joe at Cosumentary. Yes, Yes, I'm so excited for Jason Smith. He's a wonderful guy. And thank you, Joe, for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, we're excited. There's so much we want to learn today about you and about your company. But I want to start with your bio because I was very impressed. You've been an invited speaker at many prestigious places, including the White House. Tell us about that. Yeah, so Cosumentary has an office in D.C., and we've noticed that people from all sides of the aisle are just seeking new ways to have an impact and get their voices heard. And film is such a great vehicle for this. So we often have screenings, not only with elected officials, but also on Capitol Hill. Wonderful. Oh, filmmakers will love to hear that. Uh, And I'm thrilled that you're devoting your talents to documentary filmmakers. And I noticed that your uh, mission statement says that um, that amazing moment when a captivating documentary is paired with the passion and drive of a social action cause, culture shifts, allowing true change to happen. So is this why you funded Causumentary? Yeah, so I saw firsthand how films can really change hearts and minds of people who are having that shared experience and watching it together. Uh, And, you know, I really like being a matchmaker for connecting filmmakers and different nonprofit causes together. And also, you know, we just need more women in film. So uh, we're an all-female-led company. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, tell us what Cosumentary does. 
So what we do is we serve as impact producers for different documentary films that have a strong cause. So we work on everything from audience development. You know, we really care about measurement and building relationships with both the screening host and the audience members. So we'll design and send out impact surveys after the screening because it's not just about getting butts in seats, but really measuring, you know, who are these people, demographics, genders, what did they love about the movie, you know, and what parts of the film have inspired them. And then we really hone on, you know, getting them to really pick an action to take afterwards and then holding them accountable. So whether that's spreading awareness about the issue they just learned, talking to their friend about the film, writing a letter to their elected official, or, or donating their time or money to a cause. So you ask that at the screenings, is that separate from the film or do they have that at the end of the film? Yeah, that's separate from the film. We send out an impact survey electronically in their email, or sometimes we'll even have it, you know, if we're holding like a, a film screening with a middle school audience, they can text in their answers since they're not big on email. And we'll also post it to social media. And the goal there is really just to continue building relationships with audiences of the film. Uh, so when you go from the film festival circuit to grassroots screening to when the movie's available on VOD, like Amazon and iTunes, so that way we can get that really great grassroots support and leverage them to write positive reviews for VOD so that even more people can hear about the great documentary. Wonderful. Well, your website says that you build and execute community-focused strategies and you measure the impact of the film that it has on audiences around the world. So where, what other countries do you work in, too? Well, for one of our films, Poverty, Inc., we've had screenings in over 30 countries. So we did their Latin America oh. strategy. But, you know, we've had screenings in Europe, Asia, uh, Australia, so really all over the world. And you set that up for the filmmaker. You do all the work. Um, yeah, I mean, I like to think of it like a partnership. Uh, but, for example, for Poverty, Inc., uh, we had a, a screening in, in Paris. And so my, my team, you know, they forced us, you know, we have to play into Paris, and it was wonderful, and we were, we're at those screenings. So um, we, we try and be where we can be on the ground. And um, who finds the, uh, the places to screen it? Do you or do you work together with the filmmaker? Yeah, it's a combination of, of teamwork. The first thing that we do is recommend that filmmakers have a great website form on the documentary's website so that people who are interested in hosting a screening have a dedicated space to go. So we get a lot of traffic from that. But then my team also specializes in lead generation. So in the first month we're working on a campaign, we'll build a profile of a few hundred to a few thousand people who we think might be interested in hosting a screening and pitch the movie to them. Whoa, profile. So what does this mean, lead generation and profile? Explain that, please. Of course. So one of the films we're working on right now is called Tickling Giants, and that's about Bassem Youssef, who is the John Stewart of Egypt. And that movie really talks about free speech and standing up to abuse of power. And the filmmaker behind the film, the director, is actually a senior producer at The Daily Show. And, and her name's Sarah, so she's a female. So having all that information just with that simple log line about the film, we reached out to, you know, college Republicans, college Democrats, Muslim student associations, comedy clubs, student newspapers, the communications department at schools, film schools, 
And, you know, and that's just our educational. We also do a lot with community building, so Human Rights Watch, Amnesty International, and really pitch the film to all of them to start hosting screenings. And were you successful? Uh, yeah, so far. You know, we've just started with that campaign, but we're hoping to have a few hundred screenings this fall alone uh, wow. for the spring and fall. A few hundred. Well, how does the filmmaker uh, recoup his money or her money for that they invested in the film? Is this financially uh, beneficial to them? You know, I, I don't know if documentaries um, are the most profitable business to go in. I, I know there's a lot of cost in making the film, especially a lot of the films we work on. Uh, there's extra cost because they're shot internationally. However, uh, I've noticed that the best way to recoup your money is not through charging a high fee for the screening license. We like to keep that license as low as affordable, so that way as many people as possible can see the film. And where filmmakers really recoup their money is on honorariums and speaking fees, so traveling to those events to um, you know, show the film and be part of a robust Q&A. And then also when the film goes to VOD and DVD, I think a lot of the documentaries we work on, people are really excited to have DVDs, even in the digital age. And so filmmakers can make a lot of money on that, and those make great gifts for supporters of the film to give to their network. Oh, I love that. I'm glad to hear. So um, at the community screenings, do they sell the DOD of DVDs there? It really just depends on what stage the film is at. You know, if they're doing a theatrical run, a lot of movie theaters have certain wait times uh, and limits before they can start selling. But, for example, one of the movies I worked on, Honor Flight, the, the goal of the movie was really to help support the nonprofit Honor Flight, and they have a few hundred local Honor Flight chapters across the country. So what we would do for the film team is sell these local chapters DVDs at a very discounted rate, and then the chapter could resell the DVD, and they got to keep the money as a fundraiser for them. So that's one way that they can help nonprofits while also the filmmaker recouping some costs too. Good. And the filmmaker gets the satisfaction of knowing the right people are seeing their film. That's so important. So you publicize these screenings all by emails. Or uh, any advertising you do? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's, it, every screening is different. Every community is different. So, uh, you know, if it's on a college campus, we really like to use Facebook events. I think people would be really surprised by the power of their network, even when they just post the trailer to their Facebook page. We also, yeah. my team makes custom flyers um, for everyone. So we'll, we'll send them a digital file. They can email around flyers that they can print out. And then we also like to come up with what we call user-generated content. So we don't have a monopoly on good ideas, and we really like to depend on local knowledge. So, for example, if, if a school um, says, hey, chalking is really big, you know, we'll look for an art suit to get them to, to write slogans across campus or to really elevate the screening. Or if a community says, you know, what's really helpful is cable tents at our local community center at the YMCA, we'll help them print out flyers and fold them into table tents. Uh, and then we'll also do Facebook advertising, YouTube advertising. Uh, I've noticed a lot of filmmakers are, are gravitating towards Vimeo to have their trailer. That's fine, but I don't think they should count out the power of Google uh, and especially YouTube. And so we'll get filmmakers to put a few hundred dollars behind their trailer, and then that will be seen by tens of thousands of people the same day. So there's a lot of different options we use. Wow, but you've got it all figured out, it sounds like. Wow, this is incredible. 
concept. I'm still uh, really impressed with the idea of this lead generation uh, and finding a profile, uh, thinking about your film, finding who you think the audience might be, and then uh, getting all those names and sending information out. That is an impressive way. Do you get a good response from this from your list? We do, yeah. You know, we don't believe in sending out thousands of emails, and if 10 people got back to us, you know, that wouldn't be a success. Uh, so the way we approach it is, for example, like I Voted, uh, the movie that we mentioned earlier, you know, it's got such great broad-sweeping appeal on both sides of the aisle. So what we started with is having a few screenings and see who showed up, see what they liked about the movie, and then from that we were able to pitch groups like the NAACP, the Roosevelt Institute, Young Americans for Liberty, and then every time we make a connection with a new group, we ask them to recommend another group to us who they think would like the film. So we also depend on that knowledge as well. Oh, my gosh. References. Getting a reference and, and going from one company to another is just a great sales tactic. Well done. Well, all right, let me ask you, what should first-time filmmakers or filmmakers who have never used a company like yours what should they think about when it comes to impact? I think the first thing they should think about is who their audience is. We have a lot of filmmakers who say this film is for everybody. You know, it's probably not for everybody, but it could be for a lot of people, but really understanding uh, and thinking bigger. You know, for Honor Flight, of course that movie is about veterans, so we thought the veteran audience would be key, but I had no idea how helpful the tech community would be, the hospice community would be, and a lot of other service organizations that care about veterans. Um, you know, they weren't at the top of mind, but we invited them all to screenings and they came out of the woodwork. So I would say filmmakers really need to have an open mind. And then second, they really need to think about how they're gonna capture their data. I've had so many filmmakers come to me and say, wow, we had a great festival run, hundreds of people showed up, they loved the movie, we won the audience award. And that's fantastic, but how are they ever going to contact those people again? So we recommend we have a whole film festival team where we'll, we'll partner with the filmmaker if they're in that stage, go to the festival with them, we'll have iPads in the back, and we'll actually take down the names, and that will lead to people donating the cost of a license, hosting their own screening, recommending the film, and so that way they're staying in contact. Uh, you know, and then three, they should really understand when they're making the film um, how large their market is and if they need to make any tweaks to invite people. And what I mean by that is a lot of filmmakers say, oh, yeah, we had this great interview by this professor or this great person at this company, maybe they'll sponsor. But if they haven't talked to that person in a year or two since filming, they might not have even seen the final cut of the film. So just keeping track of all those relationships is really important. Right. That's very important, keeping uh, up to date with your uh, uh, the, your known relations. Well, this second thing that you said, how to capture data, is really important to me. Um, you say that on the film festivals that, see, you don't know who those people are. They just come and go. So your team will go to a film festival with iPods, and you sit there, and what do you do? Get uh, Ask the people as they come in for their name and email address? Yeah, I really like to talk to people after they've seen the film, so then that way we know that they like it. But um, I've seen filmmakers do this with a sheet of paper and a clipboard and pass that around, but I can tell you from my, my grassroots days and my political campaign days, 
you know, it takes you twice as long to try and decipher that name, and maybe the penmanship is hard to read, so it's inaccurate. And so that's why we have an iPad with a simple Google form. And so we type the information right then. It's almost like having a conversation with someone so they don't realize that they're filling out a form. So we're like, hey, what's your name? What do you think of the movie? Would you like to stay up to date on what the filmmakers are doing next? And also about this project, great, what's your email? Do you want to get some text from us? What's your phone number? You know, and then if you had to give the film one out of five stars, how would you rate it? Uh, and so it really feels like a conversation. And then two, a lot of my team has a very strong digital background. We've done PR for, you know, big name brands like Coca-Cola, Toyota. And so we're trying to bring that digital experience to the film world. And so we can actually monitor and measure how many people are mentioning the film festival, the film by name, using the film's hashtag, talking about the topic of that film in the city that the festival or screening is at. And then we bring all that data back to the filmmaker so that they can see the impact that their screening had in terms of social media buzz. And also that gives us ideas of who to go out, out and talk to if maybe they're a Twitter influencer to get them to endorse the film or talk about the movie. That's brilliant. This is so missing from <laughs> in the documentary world. <laughs> this is fantastic. Um, so let me ask you, what do you consider are important things to consider when people start building their campaign, their outreach campaign? I want to make sure that they have an open mind, um, you know, especially if it's an issue that's political. Uh, I've had some filmmakers say to me, oh, you know, well, I'm liberal, so I want to make sure that only liberals see this, or I'm conservative, and I only want conservatives to see this. You know, and that's, that's not the type of film we like to work on. We're a big fan of bridges and about having conversations and bringing people together. So I think filmmakers should really concentrate on how do I make this film have a point of view and be transparent about that, but really bring people who I think need to hear this the most and people who I'm almost afraid to talk to but want to get their feedback and open their minds and invite them to the screening. So, for example, uh, for Tickling Giants, you know, our goal is to have a Trump voter sitting next to a Clinton voter talking about free speech and abuse of power and really fostering that dialogue. <laughs> okay. I don't know if that's possible, but that is a good wish. It's wonderful. Okay. Can you give us some advice on distribution? Yeah, I think for distribution, the first thing that filmmakers should think about is what their goals are. You know, there's a lot of distribution companies out there that will take 25%, 50% of all your proceeds, and I don't know if they really understand what they're signing up for. So I think that filmmakers need to realize that when they're negotiating those contracts, that, that's when they have the most leverage, and that's when they should ask all their questions. So for distributors, you know, are they going to put in marketing dollars? If the distributor does put in those marketing dollars, does it come out of the filmmaker's bottom line, or is that a gift from the distributor? Um, how often is the distributor going to report on sales to them? Is the distributor going to give them the contact information of people who bought their film? Um, you know, it, it, it just questions like that, I think, early on are things that I've learned and wish I had known a few years ago when we, when we were doing this. So there's some great distributors out there, and there's honestly some lazy distributors out there. So, again, I'll go back to the power of the referral and ask them, you know, I, I really think that past performance predicts future performance. And so asking what they've done and, and what, what makes their film special, you know, making sure they're not just going to say, oh, this is a veteran's film. Here's our plan for all veterans when really you want the distributor asking, this is what we think makes your film special, and here's our customized plan for how we're going to roll it out. Yes, 
what is special about your film? I truly agree with you because this is what I teach my filmmakers in our intentional filmmaking class. <clears throat> what is so special? Because that's the heart of the film, and that's what you want to find because that's how you can sell it, right? Absolutely. Well, let's talk about crowdfunding. Um, in your experience, are crowdfunding campaigns worth it? I think crowdfunding campaigns are great. In terms of worth it, it just depends on um, how much risk you can stomach. And so what I mean by that is, you know, we've been very successful in running Kickstarter, Indiegogo, uh, different types of crowdfunding campaigns for clients. Um, however, there's always that point where, um, you know, maybe there's slow momentum or maybe you're afraid you're not going to make it, and then until you get that tipping point. Like everyone wants to give that last dollar, but I think it's absolutely a worthwhile experience to go through because it really gives you instant feedback on your film. Maybe you're, you're in a trailer stage, and so you want to know if this is going to resonate with folks. And I think if you have great success on crowdfunding, then that's really going to predict future success. But also, if you don't have success on crowdfunding, maybe it's not a film that people want to pay money to see, so it's something you need to offer for free. So I, I think it's a worthwhile venture, and I hope that filmmakers walk away with an instant audience who now wants to support them every step of the way. But, you know, you do learn some hard lessons, uh, and crowdfunding is certainly not for everybody. Well, you run crowdfunding campaigns. Could you tell me something about that? Yeah, you know, we've run a couple. Uh, one of the most recent ones we ran was for a film about Sierra Leone. Uh, and in Sierra Leone, they actually have no structures for theatrical plays or playwrights. And so uh, it's about a writer who wants to stage the first kind of play for his country uh, and, and really raise awareness for this. And so that's a, a film that the filmmakers were based in England. The film's about Sierra Leone. And we're in the United States targeting all these uh, people internationally for donations on Kickstarter. Uh, and so, you know, what was great about that is especially, you know, they hadn't made the movie yet, and so that's a great time when you're filming to do a Kickstarter because people come in on the beginning being really excited. And so different tactics we'll use in crowdfunding is you have to make sure you have a, a really strong social media presence to keep up that buzz and keep up that support and, you know, really give them milestones like, hey, we've got 10 new funders today. You know, hey, we reached our goal. We're 50% of the way there. You know, deadline-driven. We've got 20 days left. And so what we've just noticed is um, you really need, like, a core base of about 25% of the income you're going to raise on your crowdfunding is going to come from people you already know. And not to be demoralized by that, but be energized by that, that the people you know want to fund your, your stuff, and they're going to get it out to their network, who's going to share it with their network. And that's, that's a great way to get started, is to start with your own network. Well, most of the campaigns I've seen uh, get almost 90% of the money from the people they know. So if you're saying 25%, then do you do this lead generation for them so that you are sending out emails and posting on thousands of places to drive people to their campaign? Exactly. And so our lead generation for Kickstarters is more focused on reporters because the more earned media you can get while you're doing a crowdfunding campaign, 
um, you know, they're going to embed the video, uh, your crowdfunding video on their website. They're going to get traffic. So they're going to do almost that lead generation for you. So we spend a lot of time pitching it to media. And so what that means, if you're thinking of doing a crowdfunding campaign, you should think about the news cycle. You know, is now the time because everyone's talking about your issue, or do you, you think in a few months people are going to be really buzzing about it, and that's when you should launch your crowdfunding campaign? Right. Well, what if you have someone, um, say, in Ireland who's doing a really good film, uh, would you be able to create enough buzz? And say they had very few or almost no names in America. Could you handle a campaign like that, or do they have to come in with some names? No, they don't. They don't have to come up with any names. Um, it, it's just really about issues and ideas of, of who they think that this film is going to be about. You know, the first thing we look for for a crowdfunding campaign for films is: does the film have a really strong trailer? How has the trailer performed? Do we need to use the trailer for the crowdfunding campaign, or do we need to shoot another video that kind of is more behind the scenes aimed at specifically donations? Um, but the strengths of the trailer, it shouldn't matter if the film's in Ireland or Australia, uh, getting an American audience, because I think that we're all, um, the people that we would target, we target, you know, uh, people who like Ireland living in the United States or people who have an affinity for that issue. Um, and we'd put what's called a retargeting cookie, so that if we had someone on Facebook who really likes the trailer, we would also then serve them an ad to go donate to the Kickstarter campaign. Wow. That's brilliant. Okay, this is great to know. Uh, okay, now, next is what I go. There's so much to cover. Um, what do you think are the main values that Consumentary has to offer? Uh, I, I think we've got a couple. You know, I think we've talked a lot about today our approach to data and building relationships, and I think that that makes us unique. Um, you know, I, I've noticed a lot of people in this industry use what we call vanity metrics, like, oh, you know, I had so many screenings or, uh, you know, I've been in so many publications. And while th that's a great starting place, you know, I'd ask, like, who showed up at those screenings? You know, um, who were those people? When's the last time you talked to them? What did they take away from your film? You know, for, for being in the news, like, how many people saw that? Like, what came from that. So we really care about the outcomes, and I think that's our value add. And then because we're a startup, you know, we're, we're really hungry and, and lean, and so we like to think of ourselves as an extra set of hands for the filmmaker, not just another client. So we get involved not just with great film causes, but also with the filmmakers themselves and great people. So, you know, we'll stay up. Uh, for example, for I Voted, we took over Polico, the news website's homepage, the day after the election. Uh, and I think we were all up, like, for 24 hours straight just working on that ad campaign. Uh, we, and it, it paid off, and it was really exciting. And I think 11 million people saw um, their ad because of that. But, you know, we'll put in the time. Wonderful. Wonderful. That's, that's great to have a team like that working for you. Um, okay, let's go to screening, a screening campaign. Give us some tips on people who are running screening campaigns. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I think the first tip is making sure before you even have your screening campaign set that you've thought about um, that experience for the screening host and whether that's you or not. And so everything from having an RSVP website to making sure you have marketing materials like a flyer, um, you know, a Facebook event page. If you're a filmmaker who's planning these screenings that other people are putting on, making sure you have what's called a tech check document 
So that way when people get their DVD or their Blu-ray, they can actually do a sound check whether they're having their screening at a high school gymnasium. We've had screenings at air, airplane hangars, you know, and so having a step-by-step -step process to make it easy to make sure that the viewing experience goes well, even if you're not there. And then honestly, uh, I've seen the, the number one thing you can do for screening success if someone else is hosting it is making sure if they request a DVD or a Blu-ray, they understand the difference. Because a lot of people will request a Blu-ray because they're like, that's the fancy one. I want to make sure this is high quality. But a Blu-ray will not play in a DVD player. So a lot of times the first time when we get on the phone with someone, we ask them, you know, hey, are you the one pushing play? If not, can we talk to your tech folks? Um, because that, that's the number one reason why screenings fail is they have the wrong type of technology that, that could have been easily avoided if someone had just asked that question. Absolutely. Okay. Now, what about a budget for a film festival strategy? Can you give us some ideas on that? Yeah. You know, I, I'm a huge fan of, of film festivals. I think that gets you early feedback. It gets you a lot of exposure. It gets you in front of an audience. There's a lot of great film festivals when filmmakers are accepted that will pay for travel, that will pay for hotel. Um, for example, I'm going to the Big Sky Film Festival next week on behalf of a filmmaker. You know, they've been generous to cover some of my hotel. So I think that filmmakers should really think about, um, you know, applying to film festivals that maybe their friends recommend. It's Again, it's about referrals and finding those hidden gems. So, for example, I'm a huge fan of the Naples International Film Festival in Florida. I'm also a fan of the Bentonville Film Festival in Arkansas. And recently we sponsored the Rocky Mountain Women's Film Festival in Colorado Springs, and that one's great too. So it's great when filmmakers apply and get accepted to Tribeca, Sundance. You know, we, we worked on all films like that. But don't discount the smaller film festivals that actually get you in front of the right people and the right audience. Wonderful. That's good news. Okay. So how important is social media to my film and my brand? That's what I want to know for filmmakers. Yeah, I think social media is critical. You don't have to be on all of the platforms, but you do. your film does have to be on a couple. Um, just for the fact that when your film starts having success and screening across the country, people are naturally going to go to Facebook, go to Instagram, sometimes Twitter, to look up your film and to start following it. So you want to make sure that you have a presence and a brand. Um, you know, p people can do this by putting on their poster um, their social media hashtag, making sure that it's something really obvious like the name of the film. I know a lot of filmmakers struggle if they've got a production company or multiple films. Should they set up multiple pages? The answer is absolutely, because really what that page is in, it, in its bare-bone essence is a, a home page or kind of a, an indicator for folks who are interested in learning more to get more information. You know, they might not go to their your website first, they're going to go to your social media page. And if you have the budget, I really think, you know, they should invest in getting someone to run their social media. Uh, for example, Poverty Inc., one of the films we work on is on Netflix. And Netflix is notorious for not giving you any numbers of, you know, how you're doing, but we know the film's doing really well on Netflix because we go on Twitter every day and we have multiple people every single day say, I just watched the film on Netflix. It was great. <laughs> and then from the film's handle, we, we, you know, acknowledge that tweet. We reply to them. We had one person tweet saying, I'm homesick from work today watching Poverty Inc. on Netflix. And, you know, we tweeted <laughs> them, hey, hope you feel better. What do you think of the film? And they're like, oh, wow, the film I like cares about me. So it's a missed opportunity if you're not on it. Um, another well, thing I want to mention about social is we worked with a film called Salam Neighbor. 
And those filmmakers were very uh, digitally savvy. And, you know, at one screening we had Queen Rania, and it was the day that they were going on iTunes. And so we Facebook Lived that screening event. So because we had the Queen there speaking on behalf of the film, not only did the 700 people in the room get to hear her talk about the movie Salam Neighbor, the 6,000 people who joined the Facebook Live online from their living rooms also got to hear that message. So I definitely recommend Facebook Live as well. Oh, wow, what a great event. That must have been wonderful. Yeah, it, it was really neat. We've definitely had an opportunity to work with some really great uh, screening venues and screening hosts, whether it's Google or Facebook, the UN ambassador, um, members of Congress. But, yeah, I think the Queen was a real highlight. Fabulous. Okay. Now, what stage in production do you think filmmakers should start marketing their film on their social media platforms? I think they should start marketing it publicly as soon as they have a rough estimated time frame of when the film is going to be finished. You know, if they've just started filming and they don't know if it's going to be a year or six years, that might not be a good time. But if they're, you know, maybe halfway through the project, they have some behind-the-scenes photos to share, they have some clips that they can share, and they, they start to know a timeline if it's going to be this summer or next fall, that's a great time to start building up your audience, start building up um, expectations and excitement for the movie. Okay, that's good when they're halfway through. All right. And they have a good idea of what their timeline is. Of course, with fundraising in between, that, that's sometimes hard to predict. But that's a good place. I agree. Uh, now, I understand that you specialize in leveraging Tug's crowdsource, their platform. Uh, I love Tug. I think they're great. But you use that to amplify the core mission of your client's documentary. So what I want to know is how do you work with Tug? Yeah, so I've been working with Tug since 2012. I just think they're a great group of people, and they've got a really good platform. And so what I like most about them is their theatrical crowdsource model. So if we have people who either can't afford the cost of a film license or don't have a venue to show their movie in, they can reserve a movie theater for the cost of a normal movie ticket. So instead of thousands of dollars, you know, it's now $8.00. Um, as long as they get a certain number of people to buy their tickets in advance. And usually it's around 50 or 70 people. And so if we have a, a, a host who is really excited and wants to bring the film to their town and they've got a tug theater in their community, we will work with them to make sure that they reach their deadline. We're working on one film right now called After Spring. It's about, you know, the Syrian refugee crisis. It's, it's a really terrific film that shows the kind of the faces behind the refugees and, and the children uh, that are at these camps. And we've had, you know, dozens of theatrical crowdsourced screenings. Um, and the, the way that it happens is, you know, you have to have someone who requested, and then you have to have 50 or 70 people to buy their tickets in advance. So we're really trying to change people's mental model that this isn't just a movie theater screening, it's a special event. People will buy tickets for concerts months in advance, but at a movie theater, they'll show up the day of and, and you know, pick a movie. So. There, there is a little bit of a, a mental model shift, but Tug is great with helping with different ideas of, you know, how to make that happen. And then the second thing I like about Tug, they've recently gotten to the educational space, and they have what's called a digital download of the film. So if a college or high school buys a library copy, which means they get to keep it for forever, instead of playing past the DVD, if someone wants to host the screening a few months later after their last screening, um, if they're on campus through Tug, they can just download the movie. So we can watch it in classrooms simultaneously. That's really helped us 
incorporates teachers to use the film in their curriculum. Oh, this is great. The last time I talked to Nick it was about a year ago, and he said he was working on that. Would come back, he would have it in, out in the fall. So you're already on it. This sounds really yeah, good. Yeah, and I have to. Yeah, it, it's terrific. So I'm really glad that they they keep improving. And what I like about Tug too is they always listen to feedback, uh, which is nice. Always, always listen to feedback. Right. Well, let's let me ask you. You mentioned up here that it normally takes about fifty people to reserve the theater. That's when you hit break even. Now, do you use your lead generation information to help them fill up the theater, or how do you work to get that those people in those seats? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the first thing we do is talk to the screening host and say, hey, have you bought your ticket yet? That's one. you know. And then we work with them to say, I bet you know five or ten people who would want to see this movie. And then we ask those five or ten people, do you know two people who want to see this movie? So we, we start that way. And then um, the second way is definitely lead generation. Um, but it's a little bit different, our approach for theatrical crowdsource screenings. With that, we try and go after businesses who might be able to sponsor whole 50 tickets or 10 tickets. You know, and that way they get their logo. They can say a few words before the screening. Maybe they have someone if they're a nonprofit or um, an industry expert on a panel afterwards. So we really try and sell not only one ticket at a time through the host, but then 10, 20 tickets at a time through these sponsors. And that's been a very successful model for us. Terrific. Yes. That sounds, that sounds great. It's a lot of work. You're, you must have some really lovely employees who get totally personally involved in these films. Yeah, exactly. And that's why, because we're a small team, you know, we're really able to pick films that we care about. We can't wait to get up every day and work on them. Uh, and then also the filmmakers, too. And then it's really about connecting, you know, screening hosts and audiences. Like, it, it's so exciting for us when, especially with this refugee film, you know, it's really making a difference, opening people's eyes uh, to this issue. Another movie I got to work on uh, with Cosumentary was called At the Fork, and that was a film where we partnered with Whole Foods and the Humane Society and really brought a bunch of different people out of the woodwork together to host screenings. And, um, you know, it's just the most rewarding experience when people write in that impact survey, this film changed my life. You know, we've had people say the film has changed their academic trajectory where it's changed their major maybe from international relations to economics. We've had people say this is changing the way they donate money, um, you know, changing the way they look at, at different issues. So that's kind of like why we're in this, because it's really exciting to see that change happen and quantify it. Absolutely. And you, you said that they had quite a few theatrical screenings in a single day on at the FARC, right? Yeah, we actually have the tug, re tug record for most uh, – Theatrical screenings in a single day by a documentary with 58. Uh, so that was Whoa. pretty exciting. Well, tell us about your film, Tackling Giants. Yeah, you know, Tickling Giants is um, it, it's a really important film right now. It's so topical because it's about Bassem Youssef, who had a political satire show in Egypt, very similar to Jon Stewart. In fact, Jon Stewart is featured prominently in the film. Uh, so it's very similar to The Daily Show. And it's really talking about free speech and standing up to abuse of power. And so, you know, I know that I mentioned having a, a Trump supporter and a Clinton supporter sit down to watch that film. And it's not as far-fetched as you think. At a lot of schools across the country, we actually have the college Republicans and the college Democrats coming together to partner on screenings. 
Uh, and we hope to have, you know, over 300 screenings on campuses this spring with that movie. Uh, but what's really exciting about that film is, um, you know, in the film, it talks about in Egypt, the, the president would make fun of, of their political satire shows. And it's very reminiscent of how sometimes President Trump will, you know, kind of knock um, SFL, uh, you know, and Saturday Night Live. And it's it just, there, there are some similarities. So I'm really hoping that this film sparks a conversation about common ground for free speech, but then also help provide getting people together to provide solutions for that too. Tell me about oh, I yeah, voted. you know, absolutely. I voted has a lot of momentum right now. I think, you know, now that the elections kind of cooled down, we can really get people to come together. And what that looks at is the machinery behind voting and, you know, how do you know that your vote was counted and counted accurately? And so we have a lot of states who this past election cycle actually had trouble with the validity of their election results. And so those are the states that we're targeting first to have screenings in like Michigan, North Carolina, Wisconsin. Um, you know, again, like I said, a lot of momentum for that film, a lot of bipartisan efforts where we have Democrats, Republicans, people who aren't even political coming together to host screenings. Um, so I think it's going to be a really exciting spring for that movie. Oh, wonderful. I'm so glad to hear it. Jason is a lovely guy, and he's worked so hard on that film. Getting it seen is the most important thing right now, and he actually won the, our film grant several years ago. We just love working with him, so I, I'm glad you're taking such good care of him. Um, so uh, what I'd like to know now, what are the different types of screenings that you offer? So we offer educational so anything um, from high school to a college, uh, community screening, so, you know, anything not on a campus but in a community venue like a YMCA at a church, and then we have theatrical screenings too, so in a movie theater. Okay, this is great. And you find those places, you set it all up, or the filmmaker contributes something, but you're really running the show, right? Yeah, again, I like to think of it like a partnership. Um, I always get inspired by the different ideas that the filmmakers have. You know, we really start with what's their vision of the film, who who do they want to have see this movie, where do they want to have it seen. So we start there. Um, you know, for example, the first film I worked on a few years ago was Honor Flight, and the filmmakers wanted to break the world record for largest film screening. And I thought, this is impossible. Justin Bieber doesn't even get 30,000 people at one of his concerts. How in the world are we going to get that for a film? Uh, and so we, we bought out the Milwaukee Brewers baseball stadium in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And it was my job for a whole summer just to help sell tickets. And, you know, we had a lot of people who were featured in the film who were amazing networkers and organizers and had a lot of great community ties. But it was really neat when we had, you know, over 28,000 people come and we broke the Guinness World Record that night for the screening. So ever oh. since having an event like that, um, and the event wasn't free. It was $16 a ticket because we had to buy the stadium. So, you know, filling a theater of 100 or, you know, even 500 is a lot easier than, than that experience. So I'm, I'm more than happy to do it. Oh, wow. 28,000. That is quite a feat. Well done. Now, um, uh, tell us how people can contact you, please. Uh, yeah, our website is cosumentary.nyc, and um, I'm on Twitter at Joe Jensen, uh, and then Cosumentary is on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as well. Okay. Now, so what you – I just want to recap what you do. First of all, you help um, companies or filmmakers crowdfund. 
uh, you take uh, the distribution for them. You uh, take over and get all the screenings and everything when the film is finished. Um, and you say that um, they really should get started, what, contacting you maybe when they are halfway there, when they know approximately when their film will be finished? Is that what you would suggest? Yes, um, exactly. So that way we can start helping them with their film festival strategy. Uh, and then once they know when the film's finished, helping with that screening campaign. Absolutely. Okay. This is marvelous. Oh, we just thank you so much. And we uh, appreciate the work that you and your crew are doing because uh, we believe that the docs are the most important thing happening in the world today. I believe that they're the last vestige of true uh, unbiased reporters. And without them, we'd be in big trouble. So thank you for taking this on. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, it's wonderful to to hear you say that. I completely agree. So thanks so much for your time today and having me on the show. Yes, well done. Thanks a lot. And we'll make sure that people hear this and we'll be sending it to a lot of people that work with From the Heart. Oh, wonderful. Thanks so much. Okay. Thank you, Claire. Great. Wonderful show. Thank you so much, Joe. We send you all our best wishes for continued success, too. Okay. Bye for now. Thank you. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice. Fair use. Successful crowdfunding. How to ask for music rights and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind